13, 1 through 17. These are the words of the living God. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them." Let's pray together. Father, help me to get out of the way this morning and just have your most holy way. Let us be instructed by you. Let us hear words from you. Speak to our hearts the things that we need to know. Change us, transform us, renew us, and get us ready for the service that you've called us to. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in our text today, we see Christ serving his people in one of the most unlikely ways. I think oftentimes as Christians, we think that uh, when we become Christians, that that means we uh, just come in here on Sunday mornings and Uh, dress nice, and maybe go to a Bible study during the week, and then that's it. But But to Jesus and for the early disciples, being a Christian meant much more than that. It meant getting your hands dirty. Uh, It meant being willing to do the work that other people were unwilling to do. And in our passage today, Jesus teaches us something about the nature of being a Christian, about the nature of Christian ministry. He shows us by example the sort of thing that we're supposed to be doing. Okay, So Jesus became a servant to God and men so that we might become servants to God and men. Jesus became a servant to God and to men so that we might become 
servants to God and men. Jesus is the ultimate servant. He is the servant of servants. And so in our passage today, we're going to see three things in connection with this idea that Christ is the servant of servants. Number one, because Christ is the servant of servants, no ministry should be beneath us. Okay, Because Christ is the servant of servants, no ministry should be beneath us. And number two, because Christ is the servant of servants, we need Him to constantly cleanse us. We need Him to constantly cleanse us. And number three, because Christ is the servant of servants, we are to follow His example. Okay? So three points. We see that first one back in verses 1-5. through five. Because Christ is the servant of servants, no ministry should be beneath us. And we're going to start back by reading verses 1-4a. through four a. That is the first part of verse 4. So, uh, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So we have moved forward in our study considerably. Uh, Jesus has continued to go around the region of Galilee, preaching and teaching and telling parables. He has entered into the region of Judea and done the same, and now he is entering into Jerusalem where he will make his way to the cross. So we find ourselves today in an event that took place during the last week of Christ's uh, earthly ministry. Uh, this is uh, the week that is historically referred to as the Holy, Le- uh, Holy Week. In our particular passage, we find Christ and the disciples in the upper room. And the upper room is the place where they go to celebrate the um, uh, Passover feast before Jesus is uh, betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And our text tells us that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. So the betrayal of Jesus is already in the works, right? And we see in verses 3 and 4, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Hear that? Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So you've got to get yourself into the scene for a moment. Um, in the ancient Near East, you could take a bath and you could be clean. But if you went out there into the dusty streets, your feet would get dirty, right? You have to remember, they didn't have sidewalks and streets like we do today to walk on. Nor did they have a brand new pair of Air Jordans to wear every time they went out of the house, right? They had either shoes or they had either sandals or bare feet. And so this combination of things, dirt roads, sandals, no sidewalks, was a recipe for some dirty, dingy feet, right? So it was common for you to wash your feet whenever you came into the house. Now, if you were a wealthy Jewish person, you might have had a slave who would wash your feet whenever you came into the house for you. Um, But you could not be just any slave. Uh, If you were a Jewish slave, you could not wash the feet of people. You had to be somebody who was considered uh, to be on the bottom of their social 
their social stratosphere. You had to be on the bottom of the bottom. You had to be a Gentile to wash people's feet whenever uh, they came into the house. So Jesus and his disciples don't have any slaves. And here they are eating their meal with dirty feet. They're sitting at the meal. They've got dirty feet. Apparently the room that they rented to celebrate this um, Passover feast did not come complete with a servant to perform this task. So the text tells us Jesus, knowing that the Father has delivered all things into his hands, rose from supper. Jesus rises to the task. Now, you would think that one of the disciples would have done this, right? They are the disciples, Jesus is the master, and it would have been perfectly appropriate for them to do so. But you have to remember one thing about the disciples. They are oftentimes very prideful, and we're seeing this in our study in the Gospel of Mark. They, they don't understand the nature of Christ's kingdom. As a matter of fact, just before this, right around the same time, they, they just finished arguing about who was the greatest among them. Like, who's going to be the greatest in, in, the, in the kingdom? And here Jesus takes up the task of one who would have been considered uh, to be least among them. And it's interesting the way that John paints this picture here. He says, Jesus knowing that the Father had delivered all things into his hands. You see, Jesus knows that the Father is given him the entire world as his inheritance because of what he is going to do. He's going to give him this thing. All things belong to Jesus. He's going to be made Lord and sovereign over all. He will have millions and millions of angels at his disposal to do whatever he wills with them. He is the Lord of glory, but yet here he bows himself and he takes on the role of a slave. A slave to God and a slave to men. In the latter part of verse 4, it says, He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Um, Jesus would have had clothes on, right? He would, have, uh, he would have been wearing his robe and over the top of that, his tunic. And then around his waist, a belt to hold everything up. And a tunic would be like a jacket today. And so he takes all of that off and he's down to his loincloth. He is in his underwear. And he grabs the towel that was apparently there and he wraps it around himself and he leaves just enough so that he can wipe the disciples' feet after he is done washing them with his bare hands in this bowl of water. And I'm sure that the disciples were floored by this. It had to have been on their minds. Nobody failed to notice that they didn't wash their feet and here they are sitting at supper with unwashed feet, but nobody did anything about it. And then Jesus did something about it. And I can imagine the disciples looking all at the same time, confused and ashamed. And friends, I think we are no different. Um, Aren't we just like the disciples in this instance? Ask yourself for a question, uh, ask yourself for a moment, are there things that are beneath you? Things that you are too prideful to do. Ways in which you are unwilling to serve within the church. Um, things that when we look at them, we say, you know what? Nah, that's, that's not me, right? 
I can give you a couple of examples of things that uh, are often neglected in the church, but this list is by no means exhaustive. And when I say the church, I'm saying the church at large, which would include our church, but I'm talking about the church in general, okay? So some things, some ministries that are often neglected by the church. How about prison ministry, right? Here we have guys and gals who are locked up behind bars. A lot of them are convicted murderers, rapists. They're habitual offenders. They're menaces to societies. And we say, good, that's good. They're back behind the bars, out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to worry about them anymore, right? But Jesus says, when you visited one of them in prison, you visited me, right? And I'm thankful that there are men and women who are willing to go behind bars and minister to these people and that they didn't discard them with the trash of our society. If it wasn't for men and women like that, I wouldn't be standing here before you today. Some of you may not know that, but God came to me in a jail cell, okay? That is where God saved me. It was because men and women who were willing to go behind the bars and preach the gospel to those people who are otherwise forgotten about that I stand before you here today. I, I still remember the guy's name, good old Larry Brown. Okay, that's, that's why I'm here. Because he was willing to go in and serve in that way. So jail ministry is, is an option. Um, another one we could put on the list is the homeless in our society. Uh, these are the people that we often neglect in our society, right? These are the people that are considered to be on the bottom of the bottom as far as our society is concerned. And, and when we see them, we're like, keep going, right? No, don't, don't stop. They, they're stinky. They're dirty, right? Kind of like the disciples' feet that Jesus washed, you know? That's, that's icky. You know, we like to keep our hands clean when we do ministry. We don't like to be made to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to be inconvenienced, but yet this is the kind of people that Jesus is calling us to go and minister to. Those people need Jesus just like you and I. And there is a rescue ministry here in town in Peoria that invites people in to minister to these guys and girls on a regular basis. So there's homeless ministry. We could also add to the list individuals in the church who are hard to deal with. Are there any of those? individuals in the church who are hard to deal with. We can think of that person who's difficult to deal with. Remember the time they said this or that, you know, and we just ignore them? Oh, here comes so-and-so again, da-da-da-da-da, and just we, we move on, right? The difficult people to deal with in the church. And there's more, too. We could add to the list. You fill in the blank. I don't know what it is. What are some of these things that are that we're too prideful to do? Some of the ministries that we look at and say, you know what? Nope, I don't think so. What are some of the things in our community that we are not attending to, that we are not neglecting? What are some of the things that are beneath us as a church? And we don't necessarily have to say that it's beneath us. All we have to do is coast on, right? And ignore it and do nothing about it for long enough. And that speaks volumes in itself. So, we have seen, because Christ is the servant of, of servants, no ministry should be beneath us. Number two, because Christ is the servant of servants, we need him to constantly cleanse us. We see that in verses 6 through 11, starting back in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? 
Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So here Jesus begins to explain the spiritual implications of what he is doing. He says, if you've had a bath, you don't need to take a bath again just because you went out of the house, but you need to wash your feet. But then he says, not all of you are clean. This is where Jesus begins to point to some of the spiritual implications of what he is saying. And Simon Peter's like, Lord, do you wash my feet? (laughs) And he's emphatic about it when he says it, right? In the original, it's something more like, my feet, you wash? (laughs) So Simon Peter understands some of the implications of what Jesus is doing here, but he does not fully understand. He doesn't see what's underneath the surface yet. And Jesus says that. He says, you don't understand now, but later you will. And then Peter totally refuses to let him do it. And Jesus says, if you don't let me do it, you have no part in me. And then, and then, then Peter's like, well, not my feet, only my hands and my head. He's ready to take a bath at that point. You see, Peter, Peter gets an important piece, right? And that is that Jesus matters, right? I, I love Peter here. He loves Jesus and he's willing to do anything when it comes to him, right? But here, at this point, he's missing the boat. Look at verses 10, 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Okay, there's the passage where he says, not every one of you. I thought it was before. But not every one of you. Um, so, he says that there are some who are um, he says, if you've had a bath, you don't need to wash your feet because you've been walking in the street. Um, you don't need a bath, but you need to wash your feet. But then he says, not all of you are clean. Okay, but not all of you are clean. And this is where he begins to point to the spiritual implications of what he is saying. Judas, who would betray him, does not take part in the spiritual cleansing that is going to be wrought by Jesus. The other disciples do, but he does not. So he says, not all of you are clean, but I still need to wash you. You still must let me wash your feet. So what is he saying? Well, how does Jesus cleanse us? How are we cleansed by Jesus? Well, through the blood of the cross, right? It's through his blood that he has purchased our forgiveness and along with it, every other other benefit that we will ever receive in our salvation, including the work that God does in our lives after we are saved. So he's saying, when you're out there in the world, you're going to pick up some defilements. That is, as you're out there in the world as a sinner, living like sinners do, you're going to sin, and you're going to need to come back to me constantly in order to be cleansed. Right? The disciples were cleansed by believing in Jesus, but they would have to constantly come back to Jesus to be cleansed throughout the rest of their lives. And Jesus says, if I do not do this, you have no part in me. If I do not do this, you have no part in me. And beloved, for every Christian, this is our lot. We, we have been cleansed. Jesus has 
washed us in his blood. And with his blood, he has, he has secured for us every benefit of salvation that we, we will ever need from beginning to end totally and completely. And therefore, we must depend on him totally to receive it, right? We must constantly be looking to him to receive it. We start this um, salvation experience by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. And it is by faith that you must continue to live. That is, you must continually look to Christ and confess your sins, right? You must continually renounce your former way of living. You must live a lifestyle of repentance, turning away from the person that you once were and the way that you used to live to Christ. Uh, You need to constantly come to Christ in order to be renewed. And that is what we do here on Sunday morning when we sit under the ministry of God's word. He He renews our minds so that we think rightly about the world around us. He cleanses us and he washes us so that we might walk with him in obedience. Friends, when you go out into the world, the world is constantly seeking to press you into its mold to make you look more like it and less like Jesus, right? That is, that is, that is the agenda, right? And this, this, for this reason, we need to constantly look to Christ for, uh, for cleansing. Uh, we need to constantly come here every week and be renewed. We need to constantly be in Bible study or in the Word or praying or in fellowship with other believers, constantly coming to Christ and letting Him cleanse us and wash us with His Word so that we think rightly and act li- rightly when we go out there into the world. When you go into the world, you'll run into people who are totally carnal into, in their thinking. They are, they are ungrateful, uh, they're unhappy, and they're always complaining. And if you're not careful, those people will rub off on you. And that is why we need to constantly look to Christ and remember the salvation that he gives us so that we remain grateful and thankful and don't become complainers. You see, we have to constantly be renewed by him, constantly looking to him, turning to him, having him renew our minds. <clears throat> Social media... You will get on the internet and there are these posts with hot button issues, right? Filled with hot button topics and these posts are created with a narrative um, that is supposed to grab your attention. It is supposed to elicit a certain response from you when you read it. And we have to be careful not to get sucked in by that. We have to be careful when we read these posts not to say, oh, that's my people, that's my, that's my camp, that's my viewpoint, and then immediately have the emotional response that the post was designed for us to have. Immediately having our minds reshaped by an unbiblical way of thinking. And this is what we have to be on guard against. This is why we need Christ to constantly renew our minds. Even when you're on Facebook, you have to be on guard against this. Um, We need Christ to constantly renew our thinking, to conform our thinking to Scripture so that we have a biblical world and life view through which we view everything that we see out there in the world. A scriptural lens through which we can look at the conversations that we have so that we might rightly and biblically respond uh, to those people. So that we might prayerfully and biblically um, think about the things that we see and hear that we're being confronted with constantly in the world. Because 
we are still sinners. Right? Because we're still sinners. That's why. Um, when God saves a man, he does not, when he's converted, he does not eradicate his sinful nature completely. He's still a sinner. We still have original sin, and that is why we still sin. It remains. Okay? And so we need to constantly come to God to be cleansed, to be renewed as we walk with him in this world through our salvation experience. So, number two, because Christ is the servant of servants, we need him to constantly cleanse us. We need him to constantly cleanse us. He says, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. Number three, because Christ is the servant of servants, we are to follow his example. We see that point in verses 12 through 17. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay, so Jesus is giving us here an example to follow after. And we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus telling us that we need to do this exact thing that he has done here throughout the rest of church history? Well, look at the text. What does he say? Did he say, I only want you to do what I have done here? Or does he say, I've given you an example? Right? I've given you an example, and you are to do as I have done to you. It's, it's the latter, right? So he's given us an example or a pattern uh, to follow after. That's what the word means. It's a sketch or an outline that we are to use. For instance, if I were to say today, we're going down to the nursing home after church. right? We're going to serve those people when we get there. And when we get there and you sit down to eat with them, go Go up, for example, and get their tray and bring it to them. And when they're done eating, take it up and throw it away for them. Now, am I saying that this is the only way that we are going to serve those people today when we're going down to the nursing home? No, I'm saying this is the sort of thing that we are going to do whenever we go down there today. Now, there have been some who have taken this text and uh, about foot washing and made it into a sacrament of the church and everything else, but there are only... It's sacramental in a sense, anyway, even if they don't call it a sacrament. Um, But there are only two rites that Christ has given us to perform in the church until he comes, right? And what are they? One is baptism, and the other one we're about to uh, do here in just a few moments, the Lord's Supper. Okay, So, foot washing is good, but uh, it is not the end-all, be-all. Okay, It's not wrong to practice foot washing, it's perfectly fine to do so, but we just can't make an ordinance out of it. Okay, The only ordinance that Christ has given us that points to cleansing in the church today is baptism. Right? So foot washing is good. It is a way in which, it's an example of a way in which we serve one another in humility, but again, it is not the end-all, be-all. Jesus has given us an example, a model, a pattern to follow after. This is a way that we're to go about doing ministry once he is gone, right? He's leaving the world, going back to the Father, 
And we are going to do his work in the world. So this is the model, the pattern that you're to follow. So what are some of the ways that we wash feet today? What are some of the ministries that are more difficult? Some of the things or people in our society that are often neglected or ignored? Well, one ministry that I think is great, and we have it right here in our church, is is the food pantry. Uh, This is a ministry to people that are oftentimes overlooked in our society. And people come to the food pantry for all different kinds of reasons. Uh, They may have lost their job. They may not have enough income. Uh, Their source of support may not be sufficient or whatever the reason is, and they need a meal for a couple of weeks. And this is a way for us to provide for that need, right? So the food pantry is a great ministry. Another one that I I think is great, and we do it right here in our church, uh, is hospital hospital ministry, right? Uh, You can go down there to the hospital uh, and pray for these people who are sick and hurting and broken. I didn't tell Barb Dallinger about this, but she does it every Thursday, right? Going room to room to these people who oftentimes don't have a visitor for maybe days, maybe even weeks, and they are sitting there hopeless, and you come in and you pray with them and you encourage them and you give them some support, that is a way to bless those people. So that's another ministry. Uh, Another example would be the foster care system here in Illinois. I know that there are several people right here in Princeville who are fostering kids, and this is a way in which you can invest in people for life and for eternity. Um, these, uh, these people who are in the foster care system are going to grow up in this world and have an effect on it for good or for ill, right? Regardless. And so foster care is a way in which you can invest in these people for a time. And foster care ministry can be tough. You know, sometimes you may get a kid or a brother and sister in the home for a couple years, and then they get adopted and they're gone. And praise God for that. But at least during those two years, you got to invest in them and to disciple them and build things into them that are going to have an impact on them for the rest of their lives and possibly for eternity. Uh, An adoption is another way in which we do this. I, I dare to say that there are thousands upon thousands of kids in the foster care system who need to be adopted right here just in Illinois. And again, these are kids who need families. They need somebody to take them in and love them and nurture them and disciple them and shepherd them. And these things that you do are going to have an impact on those kids for life and for eternity. And it's an awesome ministry. It is an awesome task. And it's an awesome opportunity. So those, those are some ways. Um, one more that I'd like to mention before we close up and look at the example of Christ. Um, some of the older folks in our community is another way that we could um, serve in this way. The people that are um, maybe shut-ins or um, uh, they've just, they haven't been out of the house for a while for this reason or for that. And they don't even have to be believers. They don't even have to be members of the church. You know, They can just be people who are out there that need love and human engagement just like everybody else. Do you know any of these people? Right? Um, just showing up. <laughs> you can make a huge impact on somebody's life just by showing up and hanging out. And if you got kids, bring your kids. Uh, they bring energy and excitement into the home that some of these people have not experienced for years. 
um, oftentimes. My kids go in and they tear the thing apart, you know. <laughs> and they don't mind that, you know, because it, it's always tidy, you know. Nobody's doing that. So uh, that's another way. So ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, we follow Christ in the ministry that he's committed to us when we do these things. He tells us a couple chapters later here in uh, John that he was set apart for this very purpose, to do the, the type of work that he was doing while he was on earth, washing feet and ministering to the broken, to the beaten, to the downtrodden, to the sick and to the suffering, uh, to, the, to the dregs of society, the people that were often neglected and rejected. Christ loved those people, right? And he transformed their lives. He loved those people and he turned their lives upside down and then they went out into the world and turned the world upside down in turn. Right? And that is the ministry that he is committed to us. And as we go out in like manner and sacrificially serve in the way that he did, we will have an impact on this world, on the people in this world. We will leave a mark. Um, Jesus is the Lord of glory. But in our passage today, he tells us a servant is not greater than his master, right? And so we should at least be willing to do the things that he does, right? Servant's not greater than his master. We are the servants. He is the master, right? So none of this stuff should be beneath us. And he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, right? So if you know these things, and you do them, you will be blessed, and the world will be blessed around you. Do you understand the story that we looked at today? Do you understand the implications of it? If you go out there and do it, the world will be blessed. The world will be transformed. Christ, the Lord of glory, he came and was a servant to this world. And through his service, the world was transformed, and it has never been the same since. And when we go out in like manner and serve, when we do service to those who are often neglected, those who are often forgotten about, um, when we serve them in humility, self-sacrificially, the way that Christ did here, their world will be turned upside down. Their world will be made new. So that is the work that he calls us to, friends. One of the ways that Christ strengthens us for this ministry is through the Lord's Supper. And it's interesting, and interestingly enough, right after this scenario in the Gospels where Jesus washes the feet, he institutes the Lord's Supper. So we are moving right into the next event that would take place in the Gospels, okay? So at this time, I would ask the elders to come forward.